Now we're going to be beginning a new five-part series, five-part series. Uh, it be five different speakers. I'm only going to do it once, and I'm having my seat sitting back there. Because if anybody knows me, I'm, I'm more of a Scottie Pippen than a Michael Jordan. I, I like to play the second fiddle. I like to play the background. I like somebody to take the head, and then I walk circumspectly and see how I can improve what's already going on. And so this is slightly uncomfortable for me, but so what? I'm going to uh, forge ahead. Amen. So the, it's a five-part series, and, and the five-part series is, going, is on Jesus said. Oh, look at that. I love it. Jesus says. Amen. And I'm going to be talking or speaking around the title, Not in My House. Amen. Amen. Not in My House. So if you could meet me in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 5. Chapter 5. And uh, I'm not going to read the entire chapter. Um, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but if you, if you have it, say amen. amen. Well, it's up there, so I guess everybody has it. Uh, I might have a slightly different version, but you'll follow along. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather be, aren't you not rather mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in a body, I am present in spirit. And, if, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of the Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Amen. And so uh, I'm only going to have three points and I'm going to have my seat. All right. The first point. So we're, we're, when you think about this passage, first of all, it's, it's some it's a uh, it's a passage that it's shocking. When I first read it, I was like, oh, you really want me to speak on this? I'm like, OK, because I like this. I like to speak on those passages that give encouragement, that make you feel good, that challenge you in some sort of like, you know, you, you can do it sort of passage. But this particular passage is talking about the character of the church and how we protect the integrity of the church. Amen. And so one of the things that we want to we want to be careful of as a church is that we don't judge. So it, it's funny because in the passage, it talks about judgment. So so there's a dichotomy there, if you will, that we're going to break down as we look into the text. Amen. So there's 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 judgment that's found. Or let, me, let me say it this way. In this passage, Jesus doesn't call for us as people of God to judge. And, and, and we can find that if you, if you flip your Bible over to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, and if you, if, you don't, if you can't find it or you don't have the time, I'll read it for you. It says this. It says, judge not that, you not that you do not be judged. That you're not, I'm sorry. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. 
and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the two by four in your eye? (laughs) I added that part. Or how you can say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a whole log in your eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So clearly we're talking about we're not judging people based on our understanding of righteousness. And I'm, I'm going to dif- differentiate in one second. So, the, so Jesus doesn't say judge, but what, he, what does he say? He says that he, that he wants us to be fruit inspectors. Where do I get that from? Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 45 says this. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For in each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor the grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so my son looks exactly like me. A lot of people say that. People can tell he's my son by the way that he says. But even if my son didn't look like me, he has my personality. He has my ethos. He thinks like me because he's been not only in my house, but he's a part of who I am. I bore him out. And as believers, when other believers are in the house, there should be evidence of that. That's merely what it says, that there's evidence of it. Not that we're um, inspectors looking for, but there should be evidence that's, that's apparent. And so when we think about judging, we don't want to judge because judging may look like this. It may look like gossiping about somebody. Did you see such and such come in? Is that their child? Huh, maybe they're adopted. Maybe this, maybe that. You know, I mean, that's mild, but it's still a, 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 a part of judgment that we don't tolerate in this house. You know, it doesn't reflect the spirit of God that we're, we're, we're gossiping. We're, we're um, making, jumping to conclusions about people. We don't have a heaven or hell to put people in, and it's not our place as the people of God to do so. Judgment is this. It's standing. Standing in judgment means that there's been a charge laid against you, like you're in court. The prosecutor comes up and said, we believe that you've done this, and it's up to your uh, public defender or your lawyer to get you off the hook. But there is no judgment from the people of God. But we are fruit inspectors. That means that when we are in fellowship and we walk together in community, and we see noticeable foreign fruit, noticeable foreign fruit. Not that we're looking for it, but by the tone and speech and the attitudes of the people within our church, we ought to ask questions, still not jump into conclusion. The first response of a Christian in fellowship is to pray. And pray for yourself, not for the person. Watch this. That I, Am I looking at the person how you see them, God? Am I jump, jumping to conclusion based on some things that I have in me? Amen? Because everybody has, some, everybody has a lens for which they look out of and they view the world. And some of us have foggy lenses. And so the first person that we pray for is ourselves. The second person is we pray for is the actual person. Lord, my heart is that they would know you better, that if there is an issue, that you would provide healing, that you would provide breakthrough. Still not in a judgmental way. It's in a helpful, loving way. Amen? So my first point is, that is my first point actually, is that we guard against judgment. Verse 1 says this. 
It says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans, for a man has his father's wife. This, this guy is sleeping with his mother-in-law. Um, and I'll get into a little bit of that in a minute, but issues, dilemmas, and all sorts of things usually slowly creep in. We become desensitized over time. It's never one of those things where we kind of just jump into it. I'm talking about us personally. Because it's easy to point to somebody else. Man, look at them. Look what they did. They, they're alcoholics or they're drugged or their marriage is horrible, whatever. But we sometimes when we turn around and, and some of the things that make it hard for us to worship is because we carry the baggage and the burden of sin that slowly crept into our life. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes what blocks our worship to God when we're – because here's, here's the thing. I've got to put a quarter in the meter and park here for a second. What blocks our worship is because we carry the burdens of the world and we carry sin, those sins that so easily beset us. There's a freedom that we experience even though that we've messed up. God says that we can confess our sins and that he will forgive us of our sins. So once I know that, once I know, man, I blew it. I absolutely blew it. But, God, I repent of my sins. I turn by act of my will that will never happen again. And by your spirit sealing me, I, I pray that will never happen again. And now I walk in a new freedom that allows me to worship God. Amen. Amen. And so issues, dilemmas, and, uh, and sin sometimes creep in. And what does that look like? What that, look like, what that may look like is, you know, occasional, you know, drinks every once in a while. Now it's like every day to cope because I'm frustrated at work. I need a drink or I need a drink to deal with this relationship. Now it's like I'm a full-blown alcoholic three months later. Or, you know, I, I, I kind of gazed at this young lady in an inappropriate way. And now I'm thinking about her all the time. Now I'm thinking about multiple people. Now I am have a sort of a porn addiction. But you, it creeps in. You know, perpetual sin isn't one of those things that just, again, we, just, we wake up and we're there. So why do we become lax as, as the people of God? That's a question you ask yourself. Why do we become laxed about what God cares about deeply. We know his word. We, don't, we may not have memorized every scripture, but we know the heart of God. Amen? Amen? Why is it that we can ignore and make excuses or provisions about the sin in our life? Why is that? Why is it that you desire less and less accountability? Why is that? Who, in, who is it that is in your life that, that asks you the tough questions about your character? Not, not the, hey, how you doing, girl? I'm fine. And you keep walking. That was, my, that was what I had a um, conflict with earlier in the week in my school, that it seemed so surfacy that it bothered me, that online we were different people. Online we were so cordial and loving and praying for one another, but face-to-face it was so cold. And I'm like, what in the world happened? And it was because we all had the burden and no one wanted to be the first to, to, to become transparent. It's easy. I had a, one of my professors, I, I, one of the terminology I was telling my wife, the terms I use is um, emotional constipation. I said, there's so many people walking around that they don't cry, they don't express emotion because it's not the appropriate place, time, whatever. And I was like, I, I told the, the class, I said, I can't sit in this classroom long, much longer because I sense so much emotional constipation that we're talking about matters of the heart in such an abstract, cold, uh, t- type A way. 
That bothers me. As a very sensitive and feeling emotional guy, that bothers me. And it was, again, once you crack that, that, that ice, it, you know, it stayed cracked the rest of our time. So as we explore the text, we would, or explore the text further, we will discover that what per, per, ugh, perpetual sin is and how the church should, should address it. Because that's what this issue is about. It's about perpetual sin. You know, earlier in the verse, he's talking about the, what, the pagans. Like the pagans wouldn't even do. The unsaved folk don't even act like that. And, and um, how Paul is addressing the Corinthians church, he's like, what are y'all doing? I just left. I just left you, and right now I'm hearing these things about how you're not standing up for God's holiness, how you're not standing up for God's righteousness. What's wrong with you? How how did you stray so quickly? Amen? What is perpetual sin? Well, sin that is never-ending. It's frequent. It's continuous. It's lasting. It's constant, enduring, timeless, ceaseless, habitual. Repeated, nonstop, and chronic. Those are all perpetual sins. Amen? So what do we need need to do? We need to guard against complacency. In verse 2 it says this, And you are not arrogant. Ought you not rather mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Paul's tone here is very strong. And he's wondering why the church just, just allowed somebody in the church to be chilling, sleeping with his mother-in-law. Like, that, is that good? Is that how we doing it now? But we, you know why? Because if we let something in our own lives, if, if here's the thing, we talked about the speck in our own, and we confuse the speck. We confuse the two passages. The speck in my own eye. I'm going, how can I take that out? I got this two by four. Okay. Remove the two by four and acknowledge and pray for the speck in their eyes. Amen? It's, it's not an if, it's not an either or. It's a both and. And so I got this big stick in my eye, and you got a speck, and I want to address both. As Christians, we have to do both. Amen? I got to acknowledge the sin in my life, how great it is. As standing up here right now, there is, I'm, I'm susceptible to sin. I have sinned this week, and I will sin in the future. But as a man of God, I know that I can always turn to God. I, I know that in my, in my weakness, his, his um Power is made perfect, you know, so I can stand strong in him, knowing that I don't I don't have it all. That's the that's the glorious nature of having a relationship with God, that I don't have to be 100 percent there yet. I will never be there until glory, until I get my new body and until I worship forever and ever in heaven with Jesus Christ. That's it. And so do I sit on the sidelines and salt or do I get in the game and with and with all of the giftings and with all of uh, uh, the, the 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 experiences that I had and, and give it all that I have and, and be a tool and an instrument for God's goodness and glory and building his kingdom. So his tone was very strong, you know, when he was like, man, what, what is he guys doing? Like what? So the church was was what becoming desensitized based on the, own, the, the, the things in their life. And the church had, had let their guard down. Now, sin has a way of making us feel justified. It has a way of making us feel justified. Like, you know what? It ain't that deep. It ain't none of my business. You know, that's them. It ain't me. That's what sin does. Jesus never spoke like that. That's not in his nature, his character. 
to turn his back on sin. If you just watch, you know, television, you can see that America itself is desensitized. The stuff that we see, I don't care if you're a Fox person or a CNN person, both of them got their own jacked up stuff, you know, that are misaligned with the character and heart of God, you know. And so what do we do as Christians? Sin has a way of becoming a part of us. We can't tell where we begin or where it ends. The men and women. So in Philly, where I, where I, where I came from, there's a play, I don't know, it's K&A or Kensington. I don't know if there's any Philly folk in here that know where that. Okay, one Philly person. So literally, literally and there's, this, there's this big debate going on about a safe drug housing, safe places for people to shoot up um, heroin, I guess it is. And... But I remember as I used to, only maybe a year ago, I stopped working in Philly. And I used to, you know, my job, I would travel around to different construction sites. And when I would go through Kensington, it would just be like zombies walking around every, I mean, bent over in crazy shapes and walking around like literal zombies, stuck. And in my mind, it's like, man, how did they get to that point? They didn't start there. That's somebody's baby. That's somebody's child. That's somebody, when they had that baby, they said, man, this baby is going to do, do great things. It's going to be successful. It's going to, it's going to change the world. Amen? They, ne- they never thought they would be walking around looking for that next fix. So what happens? How did they get to perpetual sin? Why is it that we may not ch- challenge Perpetual sin in the Bible, why is it that we might not challenge it? Well, maybe it's because we feel like hypocrites, which I touched on briefly. We don't feel like we got to say so because I know my stuff stinks, so I can't talk about yours. God never said that. God never said that. And my, my brother's keeper is what God asked you. I keep my brother. We're wounded. He- as, as Christians, we're called to be wounded healers. Even though I'm not healed yet, I'm called to watch out for you. I'm, go, I'm called to watch your back, to walk circumspectly. Circumspectly means simply that you stand in the mirror, I mean in the middle, and I walk around you surveying you to, to see how I can be of assistance, how I can pray for you, how the enemy may be attacking your purpose in your life, and how I can love you further in, a, in an authentic way. Amen? That's what God calls us to do. So a lot of us care more about what people think rather than what God thinks perish the thought. But it's a reality. And I'm saying this because I want us to change. I want us to get to a place. We talk about community. We talk about growing this community. There was a church here at one point, and I praise God for the ministry that was there. And now that we're here, we have a responsibility to continue with where they left off at, to try to have impact in this community, to try to change the, the, the tide so that, it, so that how it looks isn't how it will look. It has to be transformational change, but that starts here. We were in a community group before I left a week ago, and I challenged our group, or I don't even know if I specifically challenged us, but there was a challenge in the room that we got to be intimate, that we got to be transparent, that we got to be open, that anybody can come into these. It's not about church membership. We don't care if you join the church or not. I'd rather you join the family of God and get healing for your soul and mind so that you can be freed up and be all that God called you to be. That's the ultimate point. That's what we're here for. It's not about church memberships. It's not about numbers. You know, you could get discouraged by seeing how many black seats is here and how many empty seats are here. You know what? 
here's the thing somebody told me years ago that stuck with me. There's a difference between uh, leaves and fruit. There are a lot of churches that are full of leaves, right? A lot of people in there doing, moving around, shucking and jiving and feeling good, right? But they have no potency. They're not doing anything. So I'd rather be in a church with 15 people that produce fruit that's, that, that's tangible, that, that's, that people can actually use for a specific purpose. Amen? Sometimes, sometimes, there's a, sometimes we look at big, big uh, mega churches, or it might be a church in, I don't know how many churches in Wilmington, but it might be, I'm sure there's a bigger church with more people. But it might be, a, uh, it might be indication of swelling rather than growth. And you want to know the difference between swelling and growth? Swelling, well, I'm sorry, growth is a sign of health. And swelling is a sign of infection. And so just because you have numbers doesn't mean you're healthy. Amen. That's just that's some side stuff. Because sometimes we might get discouraged because these, it's a lot of empty seats here. I don't get discouraged because I'd rather build a core of strong people that love God that, have, that are on one accord than have 100 people in chaos. And now we can build and love from a genuine place and know each other intimately. That's what it's about. Third point, I don't know how I am for time, but I'm going to keep moving. <clears throat> Verse 3 says, <laughs> Verse three says, for though absent in the body, I am present in the spirit. And if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. We already know the heart of God and how he feels about perpetual sin. So what, what should we do? Is it the role of the pastor? The elders, the leaders of the church to exercise discipline or removal, or is it the responsibility of the congregation? She said it. It's both. It's both. It ain't, it ain't, it's, it's us in church. It's all of our church. It's all of our body. So here's the two options, right? The first option, and it was uncomfortable. This is, I've been in church Oh, my goodness, longer than I'm willing to admit, probably 25, 30, almost 30 years, maybe, babe, something like that, right? Me and, me and my wife started new members class together probably in 1990-something, in the mid-90s. Mid-90s, we, we're sitting in a new members class together, you know, they, she's, you know, I see this fine young thing and she says come to church with me i'm like okay and uh, truth be told i didn't have jesus on my mind but thank god jesus had me on his mind <laughs> lord have mercy i keep getting these sidebars i'm sorry all right uh so yeah it's, it's, it's both exactly so there's there's two two things that happen one is that we remove temporarily in hopes of repentance and eventual restoration our, our role isn't to say, you know what, you did this thing, get out. Get, get, get out. Or the Sandman in, uh, on Apollo, you know, where he comes out with the funny outfit and then Cain pulls you off the stage. That's not the, that's not the heart of God. That's not what we're about, all right? So we, sometimes it just takes for somebody, especially if they're in a, in a position of leadership or influence. You don't have to have a title to be a, per, a leader or a person of influence. You don't have to have a title to be a leader or a person of influence. I had to say that. Sometimes I, gotta, I feel the urge to say this stuff a couple times. 
often a person is sat down from ministry indefinitely. That means we're not going, well, you're going to, the prescription is we're going to sit you down for three months and on the 91st day, blah, blah, blah. No, it's indefinitely until consistent evidence is shown otherwise. Restoration comes at the appropriate time as it relates to healing, growth, and maturation in Christ. Again, there's no specific time limit for that. The other, the other, remember I said there's two options. The other option is found in verse 5, and it's, and it's this. It says, you are to deliver this man for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Watch this. The man represents an unsaved, full-time church visitor that may come to Christ if we stand up for holiness in God. Why do I say, well, Brother Dave, where do you get that? He's a full-time visitor. Is in the text. It's in the text. Right? Because it says, you are to deliver this man to Satan. For, watch this. For the destruction of the flesh. Why? So that his spirit may be saved. That means he's coming to church every Sunday. So much so that it's gotten back to Paul that this dude that's in the church sleeping with his mother-in-law and there's nobody saying nothing to him. And they're saying, listen, it's cool that you come to church, right? But this is so foul. And again, this is it's some apostolic stuff and it's some, it's, some, um, it's some things that's going on in this time period where, where it's, a, it's a slight difference. And I, I don't want to get into that right now. But the thing is, this man is not even saved. And the thing about it is, it's almost like if you put a rotten apple in a barrel of apples, what happens is all of the fresh apples become rotten as well. And so they said, Paul is saying, I need you to let him go and get to the bottom of whatever his sin is outside of the church. So that, because he's been, watch this, he's been under the word every week. And for some reason, there's not conviction of the soul for him to do something different. And so, therefore, he got to go so that eventually he can come back, go to, I'm sorry, come to Christ and be saved. Sometimes we got to hit rock bottom before we realize who God is. Some of us have people in our life like that, that we've given the gospel to, that we say we invited them to church, you know. But it's just like, man, they just don't get it. You know, Bible talks about do not cast your pearls to swine. And that for, for a long time, I had a problem with that. I'm like, cast my prayer. Well, I'm supposed to evangelize. Well, there, there comes a point when, when you say something, but then there comes a point where you have to acknowledge that they're listening like this. Oh, yeah, I hear, I, yep, I hear what you're saying. It has to come to a point where it's like, man, am I casting? Am I just? So now I'm in the way of God's plan for their life. I'm trying to save them rather than God save them, rather than the living God save them. I've done all now my now what do I have to do? I gotta pray for them. I have nothing else to do but pray for them. That's my job at this point. To hands off approach. That's that's tough. Especially for us people that that like relationship, that think we could fix it, that think we have the answer, that think if we don't give up, then they'll get it. Some some plant, some water, God gets the increase. You might have just been able to plant your seed. Now move out of the way. Because God's trying to work, but you're too busy trying to be Superman or Wonder Woman. Hush and move. Amen? Prayerfully. 
But as a church body, we have the responsibility of what? Ultimately protecting the integrity of the church and the holiness of God. That's totally what this passage is talking about. The integrity of the church and the holiness of God. To be set apart. God isn't any ordinary being. He is the God of the universe. The God that put the sun on day shift and the moon on night shift. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Amen? He, was, he, he, stand, he step, stands outside the realm of time. He always was and always will be. He knows your thoughts before you think them. And so for a God like this, how dare we come to him any kind of way? How dare we think about his precepts and his word any kind of way? There has to be a reverence for his things. And Paul is charging these people, what are you doing? How are you helping this person by letting him shoot up in the back of the church? Yeah, he's in the body. I used to tell my nephew um, um, that uh, I say to him, I said, it's better to be asleep in the church than awake in the world. And that was my way of, you know, come, just come. But it's, it's, some, it's something when, the, when they try to bring their stuff in here and change the atmosphere of a holy place. If you remember in the Levitical times in the Old Testament, the priests couldn't come to, into the holy of holy any kind of way. They would, they would tie a rope around their waist and pull them out just in case things didn't go well, you know, and they was pulling the dead body out of there because you had to respect the holiness of God. It's not this nonchalant, oh, you know, God, God's grace is sufficient. You know, I'll just ask for forgiveness tomorrow. No, God is holy. We need to eradicate sin. We need to be intentional about it. Amen. So this man wasn't even saved. But how many of us know that there's consequences for us children that live in the body of Christ? Amen. In Hebrews 12, 6, it says, whom God loves, he also, he also chastises. And watch this. Sometimes God loves us by allowing us to reap the penalty of our disobedience. That's love. Doesn't feel like it. But it's love. Sometimes we get health issues based on disobedience. This is, this is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Some of us don't treat it that way. Be honest. So the consequences are still there. Loss of job, loss of inner peace. Oh, my God. Sometimes I'd rather have a physical loss than a loss of inner peace where my thought life isn't correct, where I can't see clearly, where I can't understand correctly, where I'm not using the, the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When I'm not thinking that way, what am I thinking? How am I thinking? How am I perceiving you? Sin has a way of clouding our judgment. Loss of community. Loss of relationship. Loss of freedom. These are the penalties of disobedience. Sometimes discipline looks mean and it feels unloving. You know, if you don't believe me, ask my kids, you know. When, when, you know, or when they're sent to the room for, for being disrespectful. You know why? Because they don't have the heart of myself and my wife when we send them to their room. And so it's a reflection time. It's not, it's, the pain isn't meant for uh, just for pain's sake. It's so that one day or in an hour or so, hopefully, they realize their offense and, they, and it gives them an opportunity for correction. 
And once they correct themselves, guess what? We're right back in relationship. Isn't it good that God is, is the same way? That when we blow it and we think about what we've done wrong and we come back and say, Dad, this is what I did. And, he said, and you say, please forgive me, Father. He says, of course. That's why I sent my son for you. It's already paid for. But I also need you to turn from it by an act of your will intentionally to turn. That's what repentance is, to turn. Saying I'm sorry is never enough because you'll do it again. You also, have to, you also have to have a change of heart. Amen. They need, to, they need time to think, just like the prodigal son. The prodigal son in uh, Luke chapter 15, most of you should be familiar with the story. You know, he, he says, give me my, give me my uh, inheritance right now. Father's not even dead yet. And I want, give me my money. I want my money now. Why do I got to wait? You rich, that means I'm rich, so give me my money now. Like a good father, if that's what you really want, if that's what you value here. And it says, the Bible says in Luke 15, he went, went off to the wild country and loose living and loose women and doing anything. And after a while, he was dead, broke, busted, disgusted, no money, right? Eating out of a pig pen, right? And he came to himself. He realized that he blew it. He realized with what he had at one time. And here's the thing. He knew that where he could go back to, and he knew he can go back to his father. But in his mind, in Luke 15, it says this. It says, and I'm paraphrasing, that I'm going to go back home and I'm just going to be like a butler or a slave because I blew it so bad that I can never be back in relationship the way I was. So I'll just be like a servant. So the Bible says that he was on his way home. Guess what? His dad sees him from afar off. And he sends, he sends for his robe and his ring and his, and his sandals. And he sends to kill the fatted calf because we can ready to have a party. Because some, my son that was lost came back home. And he, he begins, he walks up to his dad and he kneels. And his dad picks him back up and says, why are you kneeling? You're my son. And he puts the ring on his finger. He puts the robe around his back and the sandals on his feet. And he gives him a hug. And he says, I've never left this porch waiting for you. But the thing is, I couldn't go searching for you. You had to come back to me. You left me, but you can always come home to where, where, where I am because I'm a good father and I will always love you. Some of us today, under the sound of my voice, need to come back home. You might have strayed too far. You might have done too much. You feel like the relationship is broken. You feel like you can't come home unless you come back another way because you don't feel like a son or a daughter anymore. And I got good news for you. That's not the case at all. God loves you. And because we mess up, it doesn't mean that the relationship is severed forever. It just means he's given you time to see what it's like not to be in relationship with a good, good father. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to give you an opportunity if you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your life, if you've never seen him as a as a good father, if you've never seen him as a person that will forgive you for the things that you've done. If you found yourself in perpetual sin, doing the same thing, constant day after day, you're caught up in a chronic sin. I have a call for you. And that first call is to come back. Maybe you didn't leave the church building itself. But you left in your heart. 
You're a different person than who you are when you came to Jesus Christ. And today, you, were, you weren't expecting to be called out on that thing that you know so vividly in your heart exists. And I'm not going to ask you to come up here or raise your hand because it's not about me or it's not about a spectacle. It's about you having right relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if, whether you want to do it out loud or whether you want to do it in the quiet of your mind, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask that you will follow along with me. Father God, I have strayed away from you, God. Help me, Lord, to come back to you. Thank you, God, that your, your arms are always open to me no matter what I've done. Thank you, God, that you have already paid the price for my sin. Thank you, God, that I don't have to be ashamed of where I've been, but I can come home. Hallelujah. And then maybe there's somebody here that doesn't have a church home that is thinking about coming to Epiphany Church of Wilmington. I'm going to invite you to come at even at this time as well for church membership. And then lastly, I don't want to take it for granted. I don't want to take it for granted. Actually, it should have been the first call. Um, You don't know. You don't have this relationship that I've been talking about. How do you relate to a God that you can't see, that you can't touch, um, that you can't pick up the phone, that you can't text, that's not on Facebook, that's not on Instagram? How do you connect with this person? Well, I'm going to tell you how you do it. You do it through prayer. You do it through believing what's been said. Believing what's on your heart. In Romans, it talks about that there's no excuse for man that that he doesn't know who God is. Because all of us are born with a God-sized void in our heart that only through relationship with him can be filled. And so if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, here's a prayer I want you to repeat after me. And it goes this way. And then you can say it out louder in, in, in in your mind. Heavenly Father, come into my heart and save me. Lord, I can't save myself. I believe that you died for my sins and rose again. I trust you with my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you've prayed any of any of those prayers, I just want to congratulate you. If you want to talk after service, feel free to come up to me after service and we can do so. Amen. Amen. We're going to we're going to move right into communion time. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward.